Welcome to The Last Rung, a light-hearted podcast for the self-employed, getting to the heart of the many influences that can help you to thrive in your solo life and make the switch from an employed to a self-employed mindset. Unedited and uncensored, the inspirational chats with those who have taken the leap will provide realistic actions for you to take away, the chance to learn from others' experiences and help you see that you are not alone, even when working from the spare bedroom in your PJs and fluffy slippers and you haven't left the house for days. I'm Helen Hill, author of Falling Off the Ladder, owner of learning design business Unlikely Genius, business coach and co-founder of environmental initiative Be The Future. I'm now on a mission to help the self-employed really embrace the freedom that allows them to be fully themselves, to thrive and to leap off the last rung of the career ladder for the final time. Come and say hello at fallingofftheladder.com or over on Instagram where you can find me as Falling Off The Ladder. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review if you like this episode. But first, let's introduce you to this week's guest. For this episode, we are having a special episode on a hot topic in the freelance communities, and one that is so important for us to be aware of, manage and watch for warning signs, and that is burnout. My guest today is Helen Hamston, another HH. Founder of Mummy's Gym Fund, who has gone on from burnout, breakdown and being suicidal to rising from the ashes. She's going to talk to us about how to spot those early warning signs and how to recover. So glad to have you here today, Helen, to talk about this and welcome and how are you doing? Thank you very much. I'm very excited. Did you know this is my first ever podcast? Is it? Yes, I feel really excited. I'm popping so many people's podcast cherries. It's amazing. There are people that like, I'm like, seriously, you've not done one before. You need to be doing them. This is is like, I feel like you're going to get a bit of a reputation though, if you can't. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I've done about, I would say probably, oh, well over a thousand Facebook Lives. But this right. is my first ever podcast, so thank you for having me. Oh wow! Oh well, no, my pleasure. That's amazing. Oh, fabulous! I'm, I'm liking that we're, we're doing this, and that people are then getting a taste for it. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do more of this. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> amazing. Or you might scar me for life, and I might never do well, it. Well, <laughs> yeah, but we're not going to admit that. Then we're no, not going to tell no, people no. that. Yeah. <laughs> no. Well, it's a nice relaxed one to start with. It's not going to be any high pressure one. Or, yeah, Good. highly polished. We don't go with highly polished. That's not the way. That's, that's, that's not life. for me. So that's no. <laughs> I think if, anybody, if I ever put anything on social media where I was looking remotely professional, everybody would think I'd been hacked. So yes. That's fine. So this is fully on, I'm fully on board with the rough and ready kind of approach. <laughs> yes. Good. I love it. We're totally aligned then. So do you want to tell us a bit about your story and, and what led to your burnout and how you've kind of come to be and have your business Mummy's Gym Fund, which I love the name of that. Yes, Brilliant. thank you. <laughs> yes. So what happened? Well, blimey, it's a bit of a roller coaster ride. Um, <laughs> I would say I had a, a slow burnout um, that took probably about a decade to fully kick in. So um, I've got four kids. The oldest one is 15, nearly 15, as she keeps telling me. And um, before she was born, I was one of these classic overachieving kind of people. You know, the ones that were at school that you really hated, that just happened to be really good at everything. And like, you know, I was really sporty and I was really academic and I was really, you know, blah, blah, blah. Always had like the lead role in the play. I was one of those people that everybody hated. Yeah, me too. I did. Yeah. So I did everything at like a thousand miles an hour. Yeah. And I always was doing, you know, five million things at once. 
And um, I just kind of assumed that I could do that forever and that I was invincible. And I discovered over the period of about 15 years that that wasn't actually true. <laughs> Unfortunately, devastatingly, I am not actually inhuman. And um, that all started, it all started to unravel after the birth of my eldest. So I had postnatal depression because, um, well, partly because of hormones, but partly because I'd always been, like I said, this kind of A star, star, star student um, that was always did everything. And suddenly I was stuck at home with a baby and I couldn't do anything anymore. And I couldn't work and I couldn't like I my sort of my superhero status kind of came crumbling in one fell sweep. So I had postnatal depression, but because of the sort of personality that I have and because of the way I presented myself outwardly, nobody guessed. I was very good at covering it up. Even the health visitors, everybody, nobody knew. Um, so I just sort of bobbed along with my postnatal depression, hating myself, hating everything, hating life. Um, so the way I decided to cope with that was to basically pile so much onto my plate that it just kind of quietened down the postnatal depression so that I wouldn't hear it anymore because I was so busy doing everything else. So now I had postnatal depression because guess what? You can't cure postnatal depression no. <laughs> overwork. I just want to put that out there. This is my observation number one. You cannot cure postnatal depression with overwork. So that didn't work. So now I had postnatal depression and exhaustion and just, I was a mess. Then I had another baby. She was premature. She, I was told she had a 0% chance of survival. I had a horrific pregnancy, terrible birth, the whole thing. Anyway, she's now 12, so she did survive. Oh. But um, then I had untreated postnatal depression, massive overwork, huge self-esteem issues and PTSD and a little bit more postnatal depression on top. So what did I do? I worked even harder because I thought if I just work even harder, then the pain and the stress and the trauma and the upset and all this voice in my head that's that's telling me to hate myself. The only way I can keep that voice quiet and I can suppress that is by being so busy that I don't have time to remember that I'm actually very, very depressed. So guess what I did? I worked even harder and I did even more things and it was marvellous. Then I had another baby. <laughs> I Amazingly, I didn't have postnatal depression, which was quite astounding. But mm. what I did do was I still had all of the previous stuff combined, yeah. just sitting on the top of my head and in my heart and in my guts and on my shoulders and everywhere. So what did I do? I started Mommy's Gin Fund. Yay! When <laughs> my baby was 14 days old, I started Mommy's Gin Fund and it was supposed to be a buying and selling Facebook group, which is why it's called Mommy's Gin Fund, because it was all about buying and selling and raising money to pay for gin. So it was a bit of a joke, had no intention of ever doing anything with it. Like I hadn't even considered that as an option. I'd had two girls, I had a boy, I wanted to sell the girls' stuff, buy the boys' stuff, so I set up a buying and selling group. This was eight years ago in southeast London, and believe it or not, buying and selling Facebook groups were not a thing. I started oh, okay. my own because I couldn't find one anywhere. Like, 
there wasn't one, so I started one. So now I'm bobbing along. I've got three kids under five. I've got postnatal depression. I've got PTSD. I've got overwhelm. I've got overwork. I'm exhausted. All these sort of IBS symptoms are kicking in. I'm feeling like absolute. Well, I won't say. I probably shouldn't swear. Oh, but it's all right. You can. We're, yeah, we're, we're going with this. Like, <laughs> shit. <laughs> and um, so, what did I do? The worse I felt, the more I worked. Because the more yeah. I worked, the more I could suppress the feelings that were coming up. At the same time, Mommy's Gin Fun just absolutely exploded because back at this time, there wasn't anything else, like I said. So Mommy's Gin Fun went from me and 10 of my friends to 1,000 people, to 5,000 people, to 10,000 people, to 20,000 people, to 30,000 people, to 40,000 people. And at the moment, there's probably about 70,000 people involved in Mommy's Gin Fund in some way. And because of that, it started taking over my life, which was yeah. amazing because it was another thing I could whip myself with. It was another thing that I could use to distract myself from the pain and turmoil. And it was another thing that took up loads of time. So I could do it all day. And I could do it all day under the guise of helping other people. Yes. So then I kind of got away with it because everybody was like, Helen, you're amazing. Giving up all your time helping people. I was like, I know, I know. But really what I was doing was I was trying to numb the pain. Yeah. Yeah. So Mommy's Gym Fund became absolutely massive. I started running events. I started selling merchandise. I started getting invited onto the TV. I started getting invited onto radio. I went and I became um, friends with some of the CBeebies guys. So I got invited to like their kind of, you know, whenever they did a thing and they wanted to promo it, they would invite me. So I was doing all these really, really exciting things, really exciting things. But inside I was absolutely and utterly dead, numb, yeah. completely and absolutely numb. Then I had another baby. <laughs> <laughs> like when I look back, I'm like, what? hell was I doing like, <laughs> what was I doing but this was my coping mechanism my coping mechanism was every time I feel the pain rising just do something else because it will just try to it you don't think if it doesn't kill you it'll make you stronger small thing to add though is it like right yeah another baby yes know. you know what I'll do because I actually feel utterly <laughs> <laughs> shit. I know what I'm going to do. Let's flood my body with hormones and then <laughs> let's stay up all night trying to breastfeed and like isolate myself from all my friends. Yeah, let, that's a really good idea. Hmm. Yeah, it wasn't. Turns out it wasn't a good idea because unsurprisingly, my body and my brain just went, are you having a laugh? Like, stop. If you're not going to stop yourself, we are going to stop you. And my body and brain, they had a little chat. They decided together that they needed to stage an intervention to stop me from basically just, I don't know, careering off the rail somewhere. So they, my body and brain staged an intervention and they basically shut down. And they just went, this is not OK. You're not allowed to do this anymore. We've sent you loads of messages for the last 10 years. We've been knocking on the door saying, Helen, you've got to stop doing this. And every time we've tried to get you to stop, you've ignored it. Not only have you ignored us, but you've done more. 
So now we're absolutely sick of you. And the only thing we're going to do, we're just going to turn off the power and tosh it. You're just going to have to, you know, deal with that yeah. instead. So they did. My brain and my body just went, that's it now, and stopped. Just yeah. stopped. And that is a very long-winded answer to how did I end up burnt out? Because my body just went, fuck you, basically. If you're not going to listen to us, then... That's it. Um, I mean, it's so relatable, though. And I, I mean, I can't believe you kept going for a decade, to be fair. I, I think most of us would have keeled over two years. <laughs> oh, madness. Yeah, I mean, I don't blame the body for having the intervention before you set up another business or something, or like three dogs and a parrot in the mix or something. Can you imagine? Yeah, every time I feel like I might top myself, I'm just going to have a baby, because that'll help. Yeah, I had a baby, I had a dog, I had... Oh, the funny thing is, is we did get a poppy and that was actually the straw that broke the camel's back the poppy set was the one thing that sent me over the edge yeah. and luckily about I probably shouldn't say that I'm going to get hate mail but a couple of months ago we had him rehomed and yeah. honestly it completely changed my life well but yeah I mean sometimes it's got to be we adopted our rabbits from a rescue from people that just couldn't manage it anymore and yeah. I don't think they'd been horrendously neglected but they'd just Obviously, you know, sometimes it's the best decision to make for yeah. that animal and for you as well. Yeah, so I'm, I'm totally on, <laughs> on that side of things. But, oh, my goodness, what a, what a story. I mean... I you it was going to be a roller coaster ride. Yeah. And I mean, how... So when your body staged that intervention... Yeah. What... What was kind of that moment that made you get help and, and where did you get that help from? Um, or did you carry on for a bit longer just as you were? <laughs> well, just... you know, what's really interesting is I only came out in inverted commas um, about <laughs> having this burnout and this breakdown because it basically the burnout just burnt out lit completely to the point of breakdown. So I went one step further than burnout and actually had a full on breakdown. And I only came out about that only probably in the last few months. Right. And friends of mine that had seen me on a day-to-day -day basis, because I still had, I mean, the first nine months, I couldn't do the school run. Like I literally could not leave the house. But after that, I did the school run for a good, like two years, feeling pretty suicidal and nobody knew. And this is the weird, like, this is why I always say, check on your strong friends. Because we have this idea that we think a depressed person or a burnt out person or a suicidal person looks a very specific way. And my absolute favourite photograph of myself is a photo that I took. It's a selfie that I took on the beach. And it's probably one of the nicest pictures that I've ever taken. Like, it's a really nice picture. I look nice. My hair looks great. I'm grinning. The sunlight's brilliant. Yeah, it is a lovely and picture because I saw really that. Yeah. It's that is the day in my life that I felt the absolute worst in my entire life. But it's probably the nicest picture of me that I've ever taken. So I love that picture and I have it on the wall and I love looking at it because I look into my eyes and I know how I felt. And I like that. A lot of people can't do that. A lot of people don't like to look back and they don't like to look at, but I look at photos of like my kids' birthday parties and I am absolutely dead behind the eyes. 
and I look at photos of me I look at videos of me on mommy's gym fund doing Facebook lives because I was doing these there's one of me and Andy Day you know Andy and the dinosaurs from CB right. <laughs> I'm dressed as a dinosaur and he's singing a song yeah, and we're dancing around and I'm on stage and we are laughing to the point of like crying yeah that day I felt suicidal and it's amazing to me to look at that and just think how how is that possible but it is and that's what I would say is that those super productive super energetic super confident those kind of alpha women in particular but alpha people in your life just look them in the eye like properly look them in the eye and ask them like are you okay yeah <laughs> because I promise you a lot of us are not so it's funny yeah it's really funny how um yeah how you what you think burnout will feel like what you think breakdown will feel like and what you think it will look like are actually quite different things anyway I didn't answer your question yeah a big... <laughs> well no I mean it's, it's raised a few things for me that because yeah it the thing is you do get good at covering it for sure yeah. And I think when it gets to the point where it is showing, it, like you say, through the eyes, through the panic attacks, whatever that might be, that's when it's already gone too far, isn't it? That's it needed the intervention a lot longer ago. And yeah, I got to that point of my, my last day in an office. I had a meltdown in the middle of the office. My, and my breakdown was visible to everybody, you know. And yeah, that though they'd seen the panic attacks and stuff, I think they just thought, you know, oh, you're being overdramatic or you're being whatever yeah. and, and there's only one or two people that were like no you, you need to do something about this yeah. and but then you it's very hard to see what help you can get as well isn't it and it's trying to explain that thing that's going on in your head is so difficult especially when you're in that state and when I'm upset I just can't form sentences yeah um but yeah it definitely has gone too far if you've got someone that is at that point of of it starting to show when you don't present as a needy, you know, broken mm. person, like I at no point in this breakdown outside of the house did I present as a broken person, like at yeah. no point. So I went to the health visitor, for example, with Ruby when I had postnatal depression and I went to see her and I said, she was like, oh, how is it going? I was like, oh my God, it's brilliant. I've just started doing baby signing classes. I set up baby signing classes, started teaching people how to baby sign when my baby was like six weeks old or something. And um, I was like, oh yeah, it's so good. I brought some flyers, I brought some brilliant, you know, da, 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 da. And then she was like, oh, you know, Helen, this is really silly. I feel really stupid asking you this, but you know, it's on the form. So I'm gonna have to ask you, um, you know, how are you feeling? How's it going? And I saw, and I just stopped. And I was really, I was like a CBB presenter myself, like la, 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 la. And I said, you know what? I don't think I can do this anymore without support. I feel like I've got, and I just, I don't know where it came from. Just this sentence came out and I just went, I need, I need help. Like I don't, I'm so, um, I think I've got postnatal depression. And she laughed. She laughed at me. I was like, yeah. don't be so ridiculous because I was like, la, 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 la. and she was like, oh, <laughs> yeah, right. Really funny. Should I put a 10? I was like, no, no, I'm serious. Like I'm really mm. serious. She's like, oh, um, okay. And then nothing ever happened. It was never followed up. I never got an appointment with it. And, oh no, that's not true. I, it didn't get followed up at that point. And then uh, my daughter was just over one 
And I went to see the GP and I said, I can't carry on like this. I've really suffering. I've really, I can't get through day-to-day -day life. So I was referred to um, like perinatal mental health services at the local hospital. And I went there and I went to see the doctor there, a specialist, I don't know, a psychologist or something. I went to see her and we had a big long chat and I told her everything. It was the first time I've ever told anybody. I told her everything and we got to the end and she said, okay, um, you definitely need support, but your child's over 12 months, so I can't help you. And I was like, what? So she said, I'm gonna give you this leaflet. So she gave me a leaflet to phone. But the problem is, is that when you, when you have my experience, and I have to caveat this and say this is my personal experience, when you are feeling depressed or overwhelmed or burnt out or having any kind of mental health condition, from my experience, you can't rescue yourself. Yeah. Like by giving somebody a leaflet, you're saying to them, go and rescue yourself. But I felt so unworthy so unlovable so I've, I felt of absolutely zero value that I didn't believe I deserved to be rescued so I couldn't rescue myself I desperately needed somebody to swoop in and rescue me and nobody ever did and I went for three times I went to GPs and three times I said to them I really feel like I need some professional help with my mental health. I really feel very unwell, even to the point where I was like fully in the breakdown situation. My husband drove me to the GP and he made the appointment. He drove me there. He sat in the car and he's like, I want you to go and tell them. I wouldn't let him come with me, which retrospectively was stupid. He should have come with me. But I said, no, went in by myself told the GP I was like I really feel like I'm absolutely at the bottom of where I can go and uh, she gave me a leaflet said phone this number and of course I never did of course I didn't phone yeah. the number because I felt like I wanted to die when you feel like you want to die you don't feel like phoning somebody and saying can you help me please like yeah uh, yeah so unfortunately I never throughout the whole of this journey the whole of this 15 year journey I've never had professional help Wow. I mean, that's that's yeah. phenomenal, isn't it? In a bad way that yeah. they're just putting hurdles, like you say. I mean, when someone is at that level of despair, like yeah. you say, you, you can't form the thought to pick up a phone or to, I didn't especially when it's numerous well. times as well, yeah. like yeah. every every step's like a hurdle you have to get past, isn't it? And I, I remember myself, I I, someone said something about this service in Bradford that you could phone and I remember ringing them and actually they weren't they were all right but I remember sitting ringing them in the car park because I just didn't know what to do work had done something again I'd had the panic attack and I was just I didn't know where to go what to do mm. and I'd ended up ringing them but that was like a half an hour call but then it was you know a case of well as long as you're not about to jump in front of the train that had just gone past yeah. uh, not much we can do so mm just calm down and go back in the office. And it's like, that's, that wasn't an option that going yeah. back in that office was not, <laughs> not an option. Um, but yeah, like you said, I mean, when you're then told like, and they said to me, Oh, well, if you want any kind of therapy, it's an 18 week waiting list. I just, I could not believe that. Yeah. Yeah. I think when you consider the strength, it takes a person, any person yeah. to ask for help. 
like mm. if you get to the stage where you've asked for help it's because you have tried every available possible option to you before, especially if you're a mom if if this is why i always think you should if a mom asks for help in anything at all you take that request very seriously because moms in particular before they ask for any kind of help will have exhausted every possible available option asking for help is like the absolute last chance you know they there is no other way to go so if you've got a mom in front of you saying to you i actually cannot function and i feel suicidal and i feel like i just i cannot live another day don't give them a leaflet no, <laughs> no. give give them a hug and then do something like do something rescue them. them in some way do something yeah. but yeah yeah, I love that statement, that sentence you said, though, about you can't rescue yourself, because that is absolutely true. And I know it's very difficult to know what to say to people when they're in that state as well. And I think that's a real a real barrier. And people worry about saying the wrong thing, don't they? But like you say, just do something. Whether, yeah. you know, and don't tell them to just go and ring the Samaritans. If anything, ring for them if you want to do, if, you know, if that's the only thing you can think of. Or take them to the doctors and walk them in that reception or and going with them yeah because they need you to advocate for them and Mm. if my husband had been in that appointment with me and they'd handed me a leaflet he would have been like you are having a laugh like no but I just took the leaflet and went okay thank you put my mask back on and walked out and like if anything it made it worse but then at the same time you know the GPs they've got no funding, they've got no resources, the waiting lists are ridiculous. You know, my GP is amazing and she's helped me hugely with lots and lots of other things. But in this particular case, I, I guess her hands were tied as well and she didn't have the, the resources or the places to send me to, because I'm sure she would have done if she could have done, but she was like, oh, this is really rubbish. And I can imagine, you know, for her going home at the end of the day, she knew that she'd sent me out of that room feeling how I was feeling with a piece of paper. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard, you know? Yeah. And I do understand they're quite powerless at times. And I, I must admit my GP was very good actually. And she yeah. would make sure that I had to come back every week just to check in and, yeah. you know, she'd give me a number to ring like that I could actually get through to the doctors because you know what they're like sitting on hold for blooming hours you know if I if I needed them and stuff so she she was actually very good the first one I had wasn't but by my second appointment I'd ended up with her and I was so glad yeah um but it makes such a difference doesn't it to have the right sort of person yeah but I think I I walked the school run every day for two years feeling at absolute rock bottom and i I didn't feel able to go up to some I mean what do you do go up to somebody go hi uh, yeah just to let you know I'm feeling a bit suicidal this morning how are you like you're not going to do that but if anybody had asked me at any point I would have told them I was desperate for somebody to ask me absolutely desperate and people would say oh how are you and I go yeah yeah I'm fine but nobody ever and I don't blame them because on the outside I looked like why would they ask me because I wasn't presenting as anything other than absolutely fine but at no point did anybody friends family anybody say to me are you really okay or you look a bit frazzled is something going on or uh how's work because I've noticed you haven't had a lot of breaks recently or you know, oh, I've seen that you're working really, really hard. Are you, 
you know, are you getting enough time off? Or do you want to come for a cup of tea in the morning? Because I've noticed you're working really hard or something, something. But yeah, no, No, and I think it's, I mean, this is why when suicides are quite often a surprise, aren't they? Because someone has hit it so fantastically well. And it's not until, sadly, that they literally cannot take another moment and you know these people say oh oh, it's selfish and all that hang on I mean they're just people that obviously have never been in that boat and don't understand it but yeah it does anger me to think don't make that judgment of someone that they just could not carry on anymore and yeah so what actually helps you turn it around in the end then because I'm guessing it wasn't another another leaflet no no the leaflet didn't make that much of a difference no um, but do you know what unfortunately it was total and absolute stop stop right. everything so mommy's gym fund was at the absolute height of its um popularity it was massive you know i was doing facebook i could do a facebook live about what i had for breakfast and there'd be like fifteen thousand people watching me <laughs> I could, you know, I'd do an event and it would sell out in like 10 minutes. It was mental. It was like this huge, huge thing. And the, my body and my brain, like I said, they, they had a chat with each other and they staged an intervention that was basically, we are going to make it. So you cannot, whether you want to do it or not, you cannot physically do this. So I would stare at a computer for like a good hour and I couldn't type my own name or I would like open a book and I couldn't read the first line of a book so I just became like absolute zombie and people think oh you know when you've got when you're having a breakdown or when you've got depression or whatever you feel really sad and I never felt sad didn't feel sad ever didn't feel sad I didn't feel sad, I didn't feel angry, I didn't feel hot, I didn't feel cold, I didn't feel hungry, I didn't feel tired, I didn't feel anything for about at least a year where I felt nothing, like absolutely nothing, numb, absolutely numb. My husband came into the bathroom one day and I had my hand on the boiling water and he was going, what are you doing? He came like running over and grabbed my hand, pulled my hand out. It was all red and blistered, all my hand. And he was like, what are you doing? So I just wanted to feel something. I wanted to feel something. I couldn't feel it and I couldn't taste anything. So how I got better was I just stopped. I stopped everything. I stopped working. I'd stopped Mommy's Gym Fund. I logged out of Mommy's Gym Fund for two years. Luckily, I've got these amazing admins that kept the Facebook group, kept the Facebook group going. Uh, but even they didn't know what I was doing. I think they thought I'd just forgotten. <laughs> I just I, I logged out and I logged out of everything for two years, apart from the absolute bare minimum. Then I went on a very enforced regime of just rest, lots and lots of rest. Walks. I mean, at one point, my husband had to feed me with a spoon because I was so poorly. He had to cut up my food and feed me with a spoon. Um, and I, he had to get me physically dressed. So he would put my clothes on me and then he would carry me from the bedroom downstairs, put me in the front of the car, drive me to the seafront. We're very lucky to live near the sea, drive me to the seafront. And I would stare at the floor for about half an hour whilst he'd talk to me. And then he'd drive me home again. And I didn't speak. I didn't speak for like a good couple of months. And I just was just absolutely dead. 
But the only thing I did was I increased my time outside. So I got a lot more fresh air, got a lot more exercise. I mean, it's so cliche. I started eating better. I had just lots and lots of rests. I refused to do any work at all after 3.30. So once the kids were home, I didn't work. Um, and yeah, I just, just waited, really. Waited and waited until slowly I started to get better. But I wish I could say I took, oh my God, I like drank like cranberry juice and I was cured. <laughs> there wasn't anything like that, unfortunately. <laughs> no, but the thing is, it, it, yeah, it might sound cliche to do those things, but that's because then we know we need to do those things and we yeah. don't. I'm, I've just been talking to someone about that this morning because I'm not getting outside, partly because I've injured my ankle and I'm only just starting to walk properly again and stuff, but like I don't get outside enough and then I don't take my lunches, but I run downstairs shove a sandwich together eat on the run and things like that and they are the things that I know I need to work on mm. but we don't they're the first things to slide when particularly when you have your own business aren't they because yeah. you've got all this all these people shouting for you and my god this week it's like suddenly everyone was asleep in January and they've suddenly woke up and gone oh it's February let's like bombard Helen with everything just like, ah. so, <laughs> I think I've done things like I'm I reduced my schedule by about 75%. So that made a big difference. So now I've actually got gaps in between things. And I think that's a really important thing. When I schedule my day now, and this is what I always tell people to do, when you schedule your day, first of all, put in the non-negotiables. So the things that you absolutely have to do. So like the school run, for example, you have to do. Eat your tea, you have to do that. And you have to do that. Like eating like a Twix on the way to school, that is not your dinner break, okay? public service announcement that is not your dinner break so I put in my non-negotiables the things that I have to do then after I put in the non-negotiables um then I put in breaks so then I put in like a treat for myself and a treat for myself might be looking out of the window for three minutes or it might be a hot cup of tea or it might be uh I don't know a walk around the block something like that then in between your non-negotiables, so things you have to do, so your meetings, for example, put your meetings in, you need to put padding either side of your meetings, because one of the ways that I got burnt out was I went from meeting to meeting to meeting to meeting to meeting, event to thing to thing to thing. And especially when you've got lots of kids and especially when you're running around like a headless chicken like me, I would go, right, my meeting would finish at 12 and the next meeting started at 12 uh, and then it's finished at one and then the next one started at one. And it was like, there's no padding. So now if I've got a meeting, so I've got a meeting 12 to 1, from 11.15 till 12, that is blocked out. And from 1 to 1.15 is blocked out. So there's padding either side. That means before I go into my meeting, I have a, have a wee, yeah. I go and get a drink, I read the notes of what I've got to do, and I get myself ready so that when I start my meeting at 12 o'clock, it's like, okay. And I'm not in that constant state of panic. And then at the end of the meeting, I've got a 15 minute buffer where I scribble up my notes, go for a wee. I've had four kids. I wee quite frequently. Go for another <laughs> wee, um, have a drink, have a drink of water um, and just allow my brain to complete something fully before I move on to the next thing. And I read this very interesting book, actually. It was about burnout. It was by two sisters. I can't think what, it, what it's called it's a brilliant book it's a book about burnout and it's called something about the cycle but breaking the cycle or something 
but it's two okay. sisters that have written it. Anyway, they say that stress and burnout is basically when you when you have an incomplete cycle. So like if you start something and you don't fully finish it, then it kind of stays in your brain until you have finished it. So if you've got lots mm -hmm. of ongoing tasks and lots of tabs open and lots of things that never get finished, then that's what causes burnout because your brain is working so hard to complete the cycle. Like it can't put it to yeah. bed until the loop is finished. And um, yeah, that's what I was doing. I just had loads and loads of open cycles, loads of like balls in the air. But by putting a little bit of padding either side just helps you to finish that job completely, get yourself ready before you do the next thing. Oh, you know, because this, this is that's me all over They're trying to do so many things at once that like I'll go back to my emails and I realize I've got an email open that I haven't sent yet. I've only written half of it and stuff yeah. like that. And I jump from one thing to another. And one thing I've done this year is segment my time. So Monday to Wednesday is clients, yeah. Thursday is coaching and podcast stuff, and then Friday is podcast be the future stuff and that's helped to an extent but I'm still then within that doing multiple things and I think this is why I love crossing things out because it's the same thing isn't it it's done right that crossed exactly off forget it. about that that is but exactly I, it I'm yeah. just up now to see if I can find the name of this book I'm going to try and find it oh here yeah. it is called burnout solve your stress cycle and it's by Emily and Amelia Nagoski 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 uh, burnout solve your stress cycle by emily and amelia nagoski right. and it well, is I'm... brilliant and it's basically saying that is saying that burnout is when you just have so many balls in the air that yeah. you can't like yeah your brain just explodes it, it's even things like not finishing your cup of tea isn't it like oh. you know when you end up like half a cup yeah. of tea because you ran off and did something else and then you yeah. came back and left that thing in Kim I, I always notice this when I'm tidying the house I'll start tidying one room take something to another to start tidying that one I haven't finished the first and then I end up with stuff yeah, house and you just think exactly yeah that is exactly it. because they say they use the analogy of like eating a meal yeah so they say you eat your meal and you keep going until you're full up and when you're full up your brain says right this meal is finished yeah now I can move on to the next thing but if you only have a little bit and you don't let yourself get full up, then your tummy carries on rumbling and it keeps rumbling underneath everything else that you're doing. And that's basically what happens to your brain. I mean, I'm not a neuro person, but that's basically what happens to mm. your brain. And that's why I think multitasking is a load of old bollocks. And yeah. I think multitasking is definitely contributes to burnout. So my another thing that I'm obsessed about is monotasking, like just do one thing close all the other tabs or what I do is I have Safari and Chrome on my laptop so Safari is like open all the tabs and all the things that you've got to do and then I go into Chrome and I do one thing yeah I finished it and then I go back to Safari and I take another tab and I go and do that in Chrome uh, and if you do like one thing well is better than doing 50 million things badly yeah. which is what I was definitely doing yeah I've definitely been there and done that and I think that's one thing I've learned probably in the last couple of months actually to start just yeah really what I start doing is with my massive to-do list picking like three things off do those yeah then go back and get more off and you yeah. know like let's say I'm in a priority job and maybe two are like two little things that you can achieve dead quick and feel like oh yeah I've done that right great done 
Um, and yeah, well, I'm trying to do achievement really helps as yeah. well. Like, you to cross something off just gives you that little boost. But that's why you should always have a pen and paper next to you mm-hmm. because you're focusing on one task and then all the other tasks, they're going to come into your head. So have a pen <laughs> and paper next to you and write them down because then you can say to your brain, it's okay, I've heard you. I understand what you've said and don't worry, I've written it down. And then yeah. your brain goes, oh, okay, that's all right. I'll stop badgering you. Whereas if you don't write it down, your brain's going to go, oh, did you hear me? Did you hear me? I said, you've got to do that. Did you hear me? Hello? Hello? And then all oh, before you know it, you've got like 50 things in your brain going, hello? Hello? I'm still here. No, don't do that. Yeah. And I think I have a terrible memory. So if something comes in my head, I have to write it down or yeah. it's gone forever. And then I spend the rest of the day going, what was that thing? What was the thing? Yeah. I had that really good idea yeah. in the shower. Yeah. What was it? I am such a pen and paper girl. Like, yeah. I'm not, I'm, I'm like the least digi- digitally inclined person. Like, I can't even turn the central heating on. Like, that's how disinterested I am Me in technology. <laughs> it's all about, all about the pen and paper. But on the note of, of technology, I would say the biggest thing that has had the biggest impact on my mental health is putting my bloody phone down yeah, like yeah. for god's sake you don't you're 45 years old you don't <laughs> need to be on instagram at 10 o'clock at night like do you know what i mean you're not 16 put your phone down and i definitely find having it's the same as that monotasking having time when i'm working and time when i'm not so when i'm working i'm not interested in anything else I'm just doing my work and then when I'm not working that's when I can think about everything else but just having that boundary and that differentiation between work and not work and now what I do is I put the kids to bed the littlest ones to bed and we're still at that stage where I have to sit with them for about three hours so I'm scrolling on my phone at that point because you know I'm not you know (laughs) let's let's be sensible here I'm not some kind of you know total saint so I'm scrolling whilst they're falling asleep but then when they go to sleep I leave my phone upstairs and I go downstairs yeah I mean I I definitely need to learn that habit honestly it's really hard and it's embarrassingly Mm. hard it's embarrassingly hard to do that but I would say that is probably had the biggest impact of anything I've done to improve my mental well-being. You know, the, the thing, one of the things we've done is we got rid of the TV. <gasps> and I must say That's my that, that was years ago. We've, it's yeah. been about seven years now, eight years. And you can tell during the pandemic, we've not seen, sat there watching news and updates all day, every day and all that kind of stuff. And it's done wonders for us. Yeah. And yeah, although it's things like like the Olympics that are on at the moment and stuff, I miss things like that. But yeah. there's ways to, you know, catch up with that or whatever. Yeah. But not having that and having that constant stream of stuff fed to you or just sitting watching really crap programs like Hollyoaks out of habit just because it's yeah. on, you know, <laughs> it's so much better. Dream. I only watch, <laughs> the only thing I watch on TV is interior design programs. Oh I'm yeah, obsessed with them. But other than that, I would very happily get rid of the TV. Very happily. No. And then, and then people go, "Why do you? Re- how do you manage to read so much? How do you manage to do so much?" Yeah. Because I'm not sat watching Coronation Jeremy Street. Clarkson. <laughs> Jeremy Clarkson. I spend more time with Jeremy yeah. Clarkson than I do with my own family. It's like, <laughs> yeah, I've had bloody telly. <laughs> yeah, that's that's not the best one to be. <laughs> no. Oh God. No. Oh, amazing. 
So if someone was feeling really kind of crappy right now and thought, you know, this was resonating, they think they might be heading for burnout, what would you, what advice would you give them? Oh God, it's so hard, isn't it? Mm. It's really hard because I feel like what I'm supposed to say is, you know, go to your GP and da da da. Yeah. Actually, I went to my GP and it wasn't that great. No. So maybe but, try it and see what happens. Yes. Yeah. So I would say there is 100% somebody out there that can help you. And it might not necessarily be the first person that you go to. So I went to my health visitor. It wasn't helpful. I went to my GP. It wasn't helpful. That doesn't mean that there's nobody out there that could help me. Um, so I would say have a look. If you have a good relationship with your GP, go to your GP. Um, if you have a child under the age of five, go to your health visitor. If you, a lot of places now have self-referral, um, mm. a lot of hospitals now or organisations have self-referral for mental health services. I would say contact them. I would say there are um, lots of charities, places like Mind, um, the Samaritans, uh, Time to Talk, like loads and loads of places that you can find um, and just have somebody on the other end of the phone um, or Zoom or, you know, face-to-face -face yeah. if we ever get the chance to do that again. Um, or failing that, just find a friend um, or a family member or a partner. I have to say my husband had no idea what was going on for a very long time. No. But when I did talk to him about it, he was amazing. He was the one really that saved me. Um, so find somebody that you trust um, and just talk to them about how you're feeling. I found um, talking very hard. I found reading about it a lot easier. Yeah. So books, I got lots of books, self-help books about, um, you know, burnout and mental health and things like that. And it was actually, for me, it was actually reading worked much better than talking yeah. because I couldn't talk about it. So I did a lot of reading um, websites and actually just recognizing that my symptoms were symptoms and yeah, not yeah. just me. I didn't know that I was having a breakdown until I read about it. Um, so yeah, reading for me was a really good, a really good step. But yes, tell somebody, drink water, get outside, go to bed. Sleep is medicine. Sleep is medicine. Say no to more things. Like say no to everything unless it's something that brings you joy or you absolutely have to do it, um, you know, and take some pressure off yourself. Like if it's World Book Day, send your kid in pajamas and pretend, yes. uh, you know, some there's loads of characters that wear pajamas or oh. send them in school uniform and they can be Harry Potter or, you know, you don't have to be up at night. I'm giving you permission to give yourself permission to not be up at three o'clock in the morning, like making competitive World Book Day costumes. You don't have oh, to do that. No, no, it's ridiculous. Cake. You don't have to hand make lasagna. You don't have to, <laughs> you know, polish your kid's shoes every night. You don't have to do all of those things. Yeah. So, yeah, don't do it. <laughs> no, that's, that's such it. And I think there's such a, there is a competitive thing there, isn't there, with the kids and the, like you said, the World Book Day and all these things. And I, it just absolutely amazes me that, like, what happened to wearing a bin bag as a cape yeah. as a witch and stuff yeah. like that that we did when we were little, but now they've got to be hand sewn. And yeah, uh, no. <laughs> you know what, my, 
my youngest has just started reception this year and we've got a WhatsApp, a parents WhatsApp group. And I said, right at the very start, can we please just make an alliance? Let's all just come together. Let's make an agreement that we are going to go minimal effort, collectively minimal effort yeah. on everything. Can we just please make that agreement? And everybody just went, yes. So we all like did a massive high five. Yeah. And we, did, we, got a, we got a World Book Day email yesterday. And um, we were like, everybody in the groups all the first time school moms are like panicking yeah and I was like guys remember the agreement remember the agreement they're all going in in pajamas okay and everyone's yep. like, thank you. oh thank god for that <laughs> <laughs> that's brilliant <laughs> yeah I, I, oh, it is it's a big I mean I'm someone that I used to run a learning center and I ran the world book day events but I never told them to come in and stuff like that or you yeah, know it was right. it was more it was other stuff you know because at the end of the day it's supposed to get them in in the actual books not in dressing up so yeah. it's like, oh but this point, oh. at what point did it become like come dressed as a color from the rainbow of a book that starts with Z that was published in, like what the what i thought we was what happened to pajama day or like come my school oh my god my school last year world book day the theme was comfy clothes day what a dream of a school what a dream yes. the letter the the business manager of the school that my kids go to is a friend of mine and we all we just had an agreement we just went guys can we just not do it and she was like okay so it became the theme was comfy clothes day and we just sent our kids in like one season hoodies and amazing <laughs> yeah I mean that's that's my dream I live in my pajamas in this yeah. office most of the time like I'll, yeah. I'll get up and have a share and put clean pajamas on as day pajamas yeah. and then put my night ones on in the evening but date night pajamas that you wear if you want to be a bit fancy <laughs> yeah <laughs> the ones that maybe haven't got holes in from getting scratched yeah. on the rabbit hutch and things like yeah. that but you know, <laughs> yeah that, that's my real fancy effort day you know yeah. and if I brush my hair win win wow <laughs> Oh, the joys yeah. of working at home. But yeah, no, I think that's absolutely true. I mean, I think anyone that's struggling, you've got to find your own kind of what you're comfortable to do, isn't it? You know, some people would be more comfortable to approach your friends. Others would be more comfortable to ring a stranger. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but there's you've just given so many options there. So that's Yeah, and there's lots of places, you know, on Instagram. I'm a, I love Instagram, even though I'm about yeah. 20 years outside the demographic. But I love, <laughs> I love Instagram. And there's some amazing people on Instagram just talking about, you know, breakdown and mental health and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, it definitely helps to feel part of it. You yeah. sorry? I didn't hear that. Just find the way that suits you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Right, so to round this up, I've got yep. three questions I ask okay. everybody. So in the spirit of sort of self-employed community and amazing people, who name someone that our listeners should follow or connect with? Well, this is, I, I like what you did there because this perfectly segments into my uh, Instagram recommendation. Yep. Um, somebody who talks um, about mindset. In fact, her strap line on her Instagram is, I wrote it down, she says, teaching purpose-driven women the mindset skills to be unstoppable. How's that? Oh, nice. Instagram bio. Yeah. Teaching purpose-driven women the mindset skills to be unstoppable. So this is my friend. I have to just say this is my friend. <laughs> um, but she's also amazing. Her name is Claire Flaxen. So she's Claire, C-L-A-R-E, Flaxen, F-L-A-X-E-N. And she's on Instagram just as at Claire Flaxen. And 
she is so I run as part of mommy's gym fund I run a, a small business membership and she is my mindset expert in my membership and the way that she talks about mindset and the way that she talks about all those little mind monkeys like imposter syndrome and procrastination and confidence and all that stuff is so accessible and she uses language that's so easily understandable and she's just got this amazing warm calm reassuring way about her um but yes i would say go and check out claire flax and she does lots of um short videos and reels where she really teaches you very practical things to do and she also has a membership and she does one-to-one stuff but yeah claire flaxon you know something i'll be checking her out and getting her on this podcast oh oh my god you should she's brilliant yeah, oh, she doesn't no, spare as good. much as me though, so I don't know. Oh, she... <laughs> we can train her. We can get her. We can train her. Actually, to do that's it. not true. She does swear a lot, but she never does. She's much more professional than me. She, <laughs> she swears. She swears off camera. <laughs> we can break her. We can break yeah. her. Yeah. Doesn't take much to be honest. No. So you might have already covered this actually with the book, but name a resource, whether it's a podcast, book community that you find really helpful. Yes, I want to tell you about a book. Right, you're going to hear a rustle of papers now because I've just got to find it. Where is it? Right. This is a book. Now, I love this book with an absolute passion. Um, It's by somebody called Johan Harry, which is J-O-H-A-N-N, and then Harry is H-A-R-I. And it's called Lost Connections. Yeah. And then the strap line is Why You're Depressed and How to Find Hope. Now, this book, I like to consider myself as being fairly well read and fairly sort of open minded and fairly knowledgeable about, you know, this kind of stuff. But, oh, my God, this is amazing. It's basically so he talks about seven. I think it's seven different connections that human beings need to feel happy and to feel hopeful and to feel um you know valuable and all of those kind of things and then he basically breaks down each one and tells us how as a modern society we've lost that connection and it is absolutely fascinating and it's so insightful and as somebody who felt so completely lost and so completely um isolated uh it really resonates but it's very practical as well it gives you lots of it will give you if you're feeling lonely or you're feeling isolated or you're feeling overwhelmed or you're lacking confidence, it will really explain to you why that is and it will help you to come up with ways to not feel like that anymore. So it's almost like a it's a it's almost like a textbook, but a sort of self-help textbook. And it's not very thick and it's very easy to read. And I love it. And he's also just written a book called um, Stolen Focus. I was just going to say he's got a new one out. Yeah, yeah. it's stolen <laughs> yeah. focus, and that is all about exactly what I was saying about yes. trafficking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I spotted that the other day. But I'm listening because lost connections. Actually, when I was going through hell in my last job, and I yeah. ended up seeing this therapist, he gave me that. Oh, really? And said Re- read this because it had just come out, and he'd read it, and he was just like, "It's amazing." Yeah, so yeah. he lent it me for a few weeks to read, yeah. and. Yeah, it's it's a book that I could now do with buying and reading again, to be honest, because yeah. obviously I was in quite a bad place then, and I'd, I'd yeah. like to read it again. It's but, just um, fascinating, just on a sort of anthropological level. It's absolutely fascinating. But when yeah. the way that it's so obvious, like the things that he talks <laughs> about, and it's like, why are you depressed? And you're like, well, I think I'm depressed. Be- you know, all these bad things are happening to me because I'm depressed. No, 
you're depressed because all of these things are happening to you. And when it, it breaks down and it tells you why, how the accumulation of all of the things that have happened to, in your life have contributed to how you feel now, for me, I just got this amazing sense of it's not my fault. Yeah. It's not a weakness in me. It's not something I've done wrong. It's not something wrong with me. Like looking back over my journey, of course I feel like this. It's obvious I feel like this. So it just takes away that sense of personal responsibility and guilt. Yeah. So definitely read it. Yeah, definitely. It's brilliant. And I'm definitely onto his next one because of. Yes, I've got to buy it. This is quite apt for me. Yeah. <laughs> so finally i'll get you to yeah. pick a number we're down to between one and 20 Ooh. um and i'll ask you a question which is could be nonsense could be sensible who knows oh okay i'm gonna go four please Bob. if you had to work but didn't need the money what would you do i'd work in a laundrette oh wow <laughs> easy peasy easy i am obsessed with doing the washing i oh. love doing washing the thought of being in a laundrette and just washing people's clothes and putting them in the dryer and the smell of the washing powder and just fills me with so much joy I would love to work in a laundrette that's amazing I just <laughs> that is not what I expected I love that when there's like a really unexpected answer brilliant yeah, that, was, that was so immediate wasn't it yeah you were so like on it I'd work in a laundrette that's my dream. If I ever make my millions from my business membership, I'm basically yeah. going to go and get a part-time job in the laundrette. Done. And, and you know what? I've got loads here if you want to do mountain. When my kids, none of them want to be in any sort of sports teams because I just had this dream that they'd be in like the rugby, the rugby team and I could, I would be first hand up. Let me do the kit. Can I do the kit every week? Let me do the kit. Let me do the kit. Just the thought of like trying to get all the stains out and the grass out and the mud out yeah. and the the piles of washing and the piles of oh my god this is why you kept having children wasn't it because they yes. didn't come out sporty so you kept yes. thinking right next one I've next one a, i need to have someone with a really filthy habit so that yeah. oh, like a really filthy hobby so that i can just basically just do washing like it's my favorite part of parenting i'm quite happy to admit that oh i love it yeah i find it I, very very therapeutic but do you know why you find it therapeutic because of that stress cycle that I was talking about yeah. with um, those sisters, because there's a beginning, there's a process, and then there's an end. So it's very satisfying because I get to the end and I fold it all up and it all looks neat and it smells nice. Never put it away, obviously. I was going to say, so I don't finish the cycle because yeah, no, I, I don't put it away. away. <laughs> no, so we basically just all live out of washing baskets. That like this is dirty and grimy and disgusting. Mm. Oh, look how lovely and clean and fresh it is. That brings me joy. Oh wow. Yeah. I mean, I do love the smell. Oh, nothing makes me happier than when a friend's washing machine breaks. Because I'm like, bring it around here, I'll do it for you. And they were like, no, Helen, you're much too busy. Like, no, no, you don't understand. <laughs> bring it round. <laughs> it's like therapy. Come on. Honestly, there's something incredible. So a lot of people clean for like therapy, don't they? Yeah. I don't yeah. like cleaning, but I do like do it. Oh, when the sun shines and you put the sheets outside. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you, you know I'm pissed off if I clean yeah. voluntarily. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, always a sign that something's yeah. wrong if I'm uh -oh. scrubbing that sink. You've got like, the oh. out. Everybody run. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. 
Oh, so where can our listeners find you? Um, and is there anything upcoming that you want to, I don't know, promote or talk about? Yeah. Oh, thank you. Um, so you can find me over on Instagram. I'm at mommy's gin fund. Gin as in the drink, not the gym. People think <laughs> I go to the gym. I don't go to the gym. Uh, so it's mommy's gin fund over on Instagram. Um, if you are a parent, I have a Facebook group also called Mommy's Gin Fund, which you are very welcome to join. Uh, Mums, dads, grandparents, aunties, uncles, foster parents, anybody, anybody who's responsible for looking after a child, you're very welcome to come and join me there. And um, as an offshoot of that, I have a small business membership, which is called the Gin Fund Business Club. And doors are closed at the moment, doors open and closed throughout the year. Um, But there's a a page on my website, which is Mummy's Gin Fund, .co.uk um there's a page on there all about the club and actually one thing I will just do a little promo of if you don't mind once a month I have a free small business networking um Uh it's called zoom room roulette it's completely free and anybody who runs a small business comes along it's called zoom room roulette because you um I ask a question and then I send everybody off into little zoom rooms of like three or four people and you all talk about that question, then you come back together, then I send you off into a different room. So you never know who you're gonna be with. Um, it's completely free, it's loads of fun. It sounds really scary, but it really, really isn't. Um, and it's it's once a month. And again, that's on my website, um, mommystreamfun.co.uk. Oh, that sounds great, fun. I'll, have, I'll check yeah, that out. Yeah, come on have a play. Yeah. It's really good fun. You end up meeting all kinds of random people and you get loads of amazing insight and advice because you're talking to people that you would never normally talk to mm. and they can just give you such clarity and such great feedback um, yeah. and advice. Oh, yeah, I like that. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. That's been amazing. It's been fabulous talking to you about all that. <laughs> yeah, and I, I love the energy you bring to it and the positivity and the, yeah, yeah, yeah. and the fact that you've, well, like I said, dealt with it without much support from uh, medical professions and things. It's, yeah, yeah it's very inspiring. Yeah. yeah. Oh, thank you very much. You're very welcome. Thank you very much for having me. Oh, my pleasure. I hope you've enjoyed this episode and will come back for more. Please do leave a review on your platform of choice and hit subscribe to be notified when the next episodes are available. And sign up to the Last Rung newsletter over at fallingofftheladder.com for more tips, inspiration and chats with those who have been there and tested the waters for you. If there's anyone in particular you'd like to hear on this podcast or topics discussed, do let me know and I'll see what I can do. Until next time, have a good week.